This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Happy Mother's Day. You guys are powerhouses. And I will say this, I lucked out because I got the best mom in the world. And somebody might argue with me, but you were wrong. And secondly, after that, then I married Katie, we had kids, and suddenly she became the best mom in the world. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I, what was, the, was there something that was like, I don't know, what was the thing that was consistent through all of that? I don't know. I don't know. It was strange. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> best mom in the world, married to the best mom in the world. I'm blessed. So as we look at Mother's Day, we, I was thinking about, we, we shared a little bit about this with you last week, but as we were heading into this day, um, we were really thinking about all of the things that we've learned from moms over the years. And even as we're talking with our team this morning, I, I was saying this, it's not even like things that we've learned from our moms, which we've learned a ton from our moms, I'm sure, but just moms in general. Like we all have women in our lives who have kind of become mother figures to us and have taught us so much. And so there's so many things that we've been blessed, um, just that you have taught us. There's so much wisdom. And as we were thinking about all that wisdom that moms around the world have, we were wondering where in the world do they get all that wisdom from? Where do they get all that wisdom from? And so as we were kind of processing it, we realized and we believe that true wisdom comes from God. And so all of that wonderful wisdom that our moms have that they've passed on to us, we believe that comes from God because we believe all wisdom starts and ends and begins, right, with him. And so we thought, well, hey, let's do a series on wisdom. And because we've learned so much from our moms, let's call it Mama Always Says. Thought that would work, right? So Mama Always Says, and what we're doing is a series on wisdom through the book of Proverbs, which if you're not familiar with the book of Proverbs, it's really one of the wisdom literature books in the Bible written by King Solomon, who the Bible says is one of the wisest men who's ever lived. And so we're just kind of going through some of the major themes in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So we're encouraging you to just kind of make it your Bible study this month. And so each day, go ahead and just read one of those one of those uh, chapters. And if you're behind, it's only day 12. You got this. It's the 12th, right? Yeah, day 12. You got this, right? So in this series, as we're looking at wisdom, we're asking God to make us wise followers of Jesus. You say, Mike, why did we decide to start with wisdom? Why are we doing a wisdom series? Well, it's really all based on Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, that says wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom and whatever else you do, get understanding. Wisdom is supreme. It's the top. It's the most important. So seek wisdom in your life. And last week, as we began this series talking about how we seek wisdom, we looked at the four types of people that Proverbs talks about. The first one being the simple, who just doesn't know any better. The fool, who knows better, but chooses not to follow through. The mocker, who not only knows better, but makes fun of those who do the right thing. And then the wise. And we said, man, we want to be the wise. We, we want to be the wise. We're in here today because we want to be the wise. And the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And what we said really is that's having a correct view of God. And so we made three declarations. One, he is right. Two, he is awesome. Three, he is holy. And we said throughout this series, what we want to do is we want to humble ourselves, worship our God, and just ask him to give us a little bit of wisdom. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's what we're going to do. Week two, we're starting on 
this was going to be an interesting one. We're calling this series, or this, this week, The Wisdom of the Content. The Wisdom of the Content. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. It says this, The fear of the Lord, which again is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content and untouched by trouble. Now, could you just imagine what it would be like to live life where you could say, I was content, rested, had life, and untouched by trouble? You ever been around somebody who seems to be untouched by trouble? And I don't mean somebody who's ignorant. Like, there's some people where the world is burning down around them and they don't have a clue. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who might have the hurricane come or the tornado come or the, the bad, you know, hear the bad news or whatever, and life is just hitting them from every which way, and yet they seem to say, stay consistent, stay strong, and stay faithful throughout it all. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. And, and it says it starts with the fear of the Lord, which is wisdom, which leads to this idea of contentment. Wouldn't it be nice to be content? Like, I don't, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word content. Maybe, maybe you think of joy or happiness. Maybe you think of somebody being lazy. I don't know. I don't know. But I think if we're honest, when we, we begin to think of the word content, and I say, wouldn't it be nice if we knew what it meant to be content? You, most of us don't really have to worry about that because we've never been content a day in our lives. Too close to home? I heard somebody say this this last week, is that we live in a culture of discontentment. We live in a culture of discontentment. Never have we had more stuff and enjoyed it less. Never have we had more stuff and enjoyed it less. Think about this. Everybody pull out your phones right now. I know you're all taking notes on them anyways, right? Look at that. Look at that thing. Your iPhone, or if you're you know, not lucky enough to have an iPhone, you have an Android phone. That thing in 2007 replaced over 50 pieces of technology. It's amazing. It has calculators, web browsers. It has, you can text message people. I can call like my mom and look at her. That's like Star Trek stuff, am I right? Like that's crazy, right? And yet, as soon as the, the iPhone XLZ whatever comes out, we're like, this thing's a piece of junk. I need a new one, Right? I'm like, it has, it has more technology in it than the first spacecraft that went to the moon, and we're like, this thing's a piece of junk. Never have we had more and appreciate it less. How about this? Amazon Prime. Anybody got Amazon Prime in the house? That thing is amazing. Like the other day, I ordered something, and it showed up at my house in like two hours. That's amazing, right? And yet today, like if I get on that, and I'm like, two days? I got to wait two days for this? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Or, or, or this one, this is my favorite example. Netflix. Now, I know I talk about Netflix a lot. I watch Netflix a lot, okay? Don't judge me, right? But, but like today, or like, the, you know, this week, I'll, I'll finish the day, I'll get home. All I want to do is watch something on Netflix, and I'll turn it on, and I spend like 30 minutes. There's nothing on this thing. There's nothing on this thing. There is millions and millions of hours of things. There's nothing on this thing. And then when I finally find something, it gives me that little wheel of death. You know what I'm talking about? The loading and you're like, it's been five seconds, right? We're so discontent. Do you remember what it used to be like to try to watch a movie? 
You guys remember Blockbuster? Have you heard of that? Yeah. We used to have to get in the car, drive to a place, walk in, look 10 minutes for the movie we want to see, can't find it, ask the 17-year-old kid who doesn't give a rip about us. He just points in his general direction and says, it's over there somewhere, right? So we walk over, we look, oh, we finally found our movie. We walk up, except it's a lie because it's not really there. You remember they had the fake boxes in front of it? So you pull it back and you go, oh, my movie's not here. So you finally settle on something else like Rocky Three, which we watched a lot. You take it home, put it in, you watch it. And at this point, you're like three hours in, right? You watch your movie, you enjoy your movie, but you're not done yet, are you? Because now we've got to, you remember this? Be kind, rewind, and then drive all the way back to the store three days after we were supposed to have it back, right? Like, Blockbuster is bankrupt because of me, right? Like, like I owe so many late fees, right? And yet today, like, loading screen, ah, I'm going to pull my hair out, right? Come on, we're so discontent. We're so discontent. Never have we had more and enjoyed it less. I think it's funny, but I think it really sheds light on the nature of humanity. I think that sheds light on the nature of humanity. And, and so today I want to talk to us about contentment. And I'm really going to take this in a different direction than maybe you're expecting with all this other stuff I've been talking about. Because I think that the greatest enemy of contentment is comparison. Not more stuff, not more things. I don't think it's, it's all the stuff that we have. I don't think those things are enemies of contentment. I think the greatest enemy of contentment is comparison. Look at Proverbs 14.30. This one hits me. It says, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. The ESV translation of the Bible says it this way. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. That's some powerful stuff, isn't it? I think those are are powerful words. And I think if we are honest, envy, comparison, this is something that is common to all all mankind. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter which socioeconomic status you're in. I I don't care where you're in in life. I think comparison and envy is something that all of us have struggled with or are struggling with at some point in our life. And I think if you're in here today and you go, Mike, that's not me. I've never struggled with this. I would honestly tell you that you're a liar because it's just not true, right? It's something that we all have dealt with or struggle with at some point. It's something that like I was even thinking about this week. Like it's something I struggle with even as a pastor of of this church sometimes, right? Because I'll be driving down the road and I'll look at a church building and I'll go, man, wouldn't it be cool to have a building like that? Or I'll look at a church with a multi-million dollar budget and go, man, I could do a lot of stuff with that, right? And what happens is that if I'm not careful if I focus on those things and I let my heart go there, then it corrodes my soul and it makes me discontent with what God is doing in this very special place. Like we baptized people a couple of weeks ago. Who am I to be discontent with what God is doing in our church, right? Can I get an amen? Thank you. God's at work in this space. 
But if I'm not careful, I don't appreciate it. If I'm not careful, I miss it. And so there's a couple of things that envy and comparison does to our soul that I want to talk about this morning, things that slowly destroy us. The first one, and this is in your notes this morning, the first thing, whenever we let comparison control us, is it gives us the wrong perspective on life. It gives us the wrong perspective on life. Now, there's a lot of great things that technology has done for us, but one of the worst things that technology has done for us is made it so easy to compare ourselves to other people. Talking about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. And look, I have to say this as a disclaimer, I am not against those things. There are people in our church today because of social media. I can stay close to friends that are far away because of social media so that I am not against them. Don't think I'm railing against it. I'm not, but we have to be wise and protect our hearts when dealing with these things, right? Because listen, it used to be if your life stunk, you just didn't know it, right? Like if your life was awful, you're like, you just didn't know. Now you're like, man, I feel pretty good about myself. And you pull up Instagram, you're like, man, I stink as a human being. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just feel that way. Like, like social media breeds this toxic comparison. And I do say toxic because I mean it, because we compare our lives to other people's lives and we always, always, always come up feeling empty and it makes us feel like we got to do more, show more, act like we're doing better than we are. Like this last week, someone died because they fell off a building trying to take a selfie. Why? Because they want to look cool. And look at me. There's, I found this, you can rent a private jet, which you're like, yeah, I know that. No, you can, not to go anywhere, but to sit on the runway and take pictures with it so that people think that you have a cool life. Why, how, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like this plays out in so many ways in our life and it controls us. And you know, one of the things I really was thinking about today, and I think this is relevant, especially since we're celebrating Mother's Day today, is I think this really plays a huge factor in something that I've talked to a lot of moms about that they call mom guilt. You ever heard of that? Where we get on and you're looking at all these other moms and you're thinking they're doing so great and they're killing it. And you're like, you're like, man, I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. And then you get on social media and you see this mom who like, you know, she's already worked out. She's got makeup on. Doesn't look like she's ever had a kid in her life. Like somehow her three-year-old's already in a PhD program. You seen that? Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I barely got my sweatpants on today. Right. Anybody? And on the other side of that, you got women who are struggling to have kids and they're looking at all these moms and they're just feeling awful about themselves. It, it, it just, it affects us in so many ways. And let me just say this, moms, if you are here today, you are doing great. God has placed you right where you are with the child that you have. Keep working hard, keep going at it. You're doing great. Don't be controlled. Don't fall into that trap. It's a lie, okay? It's a lie. You don't know what those other people are walking through. Don't, don't fall into the comparison trap. And, it's, you know, it's in so many ways. Like, not, not only is it in with, with moms and moms, it, it's also like I feel for single people in the house today. Here's what I mean by that. Like, used to be, if, if you were single, the only person that made you feel bad about it was your mom, right? Like, oh, why aren't you married yet? What's, what's going on? Now, all you got to do is open up Instagram and you see babies, baby dedications. You see, uh, you know, newlywed photos. You see, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? On and on and on. And you're like, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. Why don't I, why don't I have three kids and, you know, divorced twice yet? What's going on? What's wrong with me? <laughs> and don't even get me started on the gym selfie guy. You know who you are. You know who you are, Right. Like hashtag gains, hashtag blessed, hashtag sitting on my couch, eating popcorn at 10 o'clock at night, leave me alone, right? (laughs) 
I got like five more of these, but I'm going to stop. Okay, enough of that. I'm, I'm just kidding about most of that stuff. But again, social media has a ton of great qualities, but we have to be wise and protect our hearts from it because study after study, like I'm not just throwing this stuff out there. Study after study tells us that the more time we spend on social media, the less happy we are, the less happy we are. So we have to be wise and protect our hearts. My point is that if we're not careful, it becomes a breeding ground for comparison, and comparison is the enemy of contentment. It makes us feel like we're not enough. It makes us feel like we have to portray something that we're not. So stop, relax, quit comparing yourself to other people. Jesus loves you. He says you're enough. Follow him. The second thing comparison does to us is it gives us the wrong presumption. So one, it gives us the wrong perspective on life. Secondly, it gives us the wrong presumption. Here's what I mean by that. When we, when, when we fall into the comparison trap, what we begin to do is look at other people's lives and we go, man, they have that. If only I had that, then I would be happy. Man, they have that. If only I had that. I'm only one fitness goal away from finally being happy. I'm, I'm only one new product away from finally being happy. I'm only one new car, one new home, one new, how about this one? One new affair away from being happy. I'm one new relationship. I'm one new thing away from being happy. And what happens is we miss what, like what happens is that we miss what we have because comparison becomes a moving target. And we live in this cycle of if I only had, if I only had, and then we attain it and it doesn't satisfy. And then we attain it and it doesn't satisfy. And it becomes this moving target that we spend our whole lives thinking, if I only had, if I only had, if I only had, if I only had. Has anybody in the house ever heard of FOMO? Raise your hand if you know what FOMO is. Come on, guys. Like three of us? This is like one of the popular terms the kids used to use like a year ago, right? FOMO stands for fear of missing out. You ever heard of that before? And what's funny is it used to become a joke like, oh, that guy's got FOMO. He's, he's got fear of missing out. But here's what's crazy. As I was studying this this week, it's actually become diagnosed as a real disorder that people have. Like they get anxiety because they're looking at what other people have, what other people are doing, and it's this actual disorder that people get because they're afraid they're missing out on stuff. And they're going, man, if only I had that thing that I'm missing out on, I will be happy. And you won't. It's a, it's a moving target, man. And if we're not careful what happens, and this is in your notes, we miss out on what we do have because we're so focused on having what other people have. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, it's better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and pursuit of the wind. And that's Solomon, the same guy who wrote Proverbs, said this. And what he's saying is enjoy what you have, rest in what you have, instead of chasing something that's always going away. So what do we do this morning? Are we encouraged yet? Feeling real good about ourselves yet? You know, I don't think contentment is like a one-time thing. Like, I don't think you come down here and you pray and you go, God, make me content, and then you're just always content. I think it is something that we have to constantly remind ourselves of, constantly work on, because I really do think the nature of humanity is discontented, right? And so I think it's something that we have to constantly be working on and, 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 and chasing after. And I believe eventually we'll come to a place we experience like a sustained contentment. And as a matter of fact, one of the most popular verses in scripture is actually about contentment. And so I want to look at that real quickly this morning. It's, it's Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Now, what's interesting is often we look at that verse and we think it means all these different types of things, like I can hit a home run or I can dunk a basketball or I, or I can do this and that. But actually what Paul is talking about is the ability to be content. And so let's, let's look at that verse really in context. And, and it's, I want to look at the whole really part there, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And for some context, Paul is writing this from a prison cell after getting beaten for doing nothing wrong than talking about Jesus. Check out these words. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says to us, I, am a, I have the ability to be content in all circumstances, regardless of the outside noise, regardless of the craziness, regardless of all things. What's, this is the same guy who says he's untouched by trouble. What's he saying? It's because of Jesus. He says, it's Jesus who sustains me. It's Jesus who teaches me. It's Jesus who strengthens me. And I think most importantly, it's Jesus who defines me. So how do we do that then? I was, I was this week, I was trying to process it and think about what, what does Paul have? What, is, what are the things that he focuses his, his life on to be able to do this and say this? And, and so I have a couple things that I think would help us. The first thing I think that Paul did that we often miss out on is we got to realize what we have. We've got to realize what we have because discontentment focuses on what we don't have while contentment, contentment focuses on all of the things that we do have. Socrates said this, he said, if all misfortunes were laid in one common heap where everyone must take on an equal portion, most people would be content to take their own and depart. Let me, let me read that again. He says, if all misfortunes were laid in one common heap, so if we took all the world's trouble, we put it in one big pile, and he said, everybody had to come up and take an equal portion. Most of us, after looking at what that equal portion would look like, would go, you know what? <clears throat> I'm good with what I got. I think I'll stay with this. Because we love comparing ourselves to the rich, to the wealthy, to the people killing it on social media, none of us look at the refugee going, man, God, I see how you've blessed me. If we want to be content, it starts with counting our blessings and seeing how Jesus has provided for you, blessed you, given to you abundantly more than we could ever ask for or deserve. Somebody should say amen on that one. Like I look at my own life and I have an amazing wife. I have two amazing boys. I have cars in the driveway that work. I've got a great home. I've got like, I don't have a ton of money, but I've got enough money. I live in Texas. Amen. Right. In the United States of America. And on top of all of that and primary to it all, I've been saved by grace through faith by Jesus Christ. If I can't be content with that, I don't deserve to be content. And let me just put some more icing on the cake. Today, I'm at the River Church with free coffee and free childcare. Can I get an amen there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's days when I compare and there's days when I'm not happy enough and there's days that I don't appreciate what God's giving to me, but I want to get better at repenting in those days. And I want to get better at recognizing those days and stepping back and going, God, look, I am sorry. I repent. Jesus, please forgive me. Look at all the ways you've blessed me. 
Because when we're not grateful for what God has given us, it keeps us from being true worshipers of Jesus. Because we're not grateful, we're we're discontent. And so we can't worship God for how he's been good to us if we don't appreciate how he's been good to us. Secondly, we've got to make God the source of our joy. Often discontentment occurs because we look at the other people around us and what happens, what we don't recognize, but what's actually happening is we feel like we're not good enough. And it makes us feel bad about ourselves and this discontentment creates a void in our heart. And because what's actually happened is we focused our hearts on ourselves, we focused our joy on our own circumstances. And what we have to do is flip that and take our happiness and our joy off of circumstances and feeling good enough and turning it on Jesus and making him the source of our joy. And it starts with really allowing God to be the one who defines who you are. Letting God be the one who defines your value. We find our value in social media. We find our value in status. We find our value in wealth, possessions. We even find our value in our health. We've got to flip that and remove those things from us. That's why the guy, that's why it says that he can be untouched by trouble because it's not the circumstances that defines the person. It's not the circumstances that creates the value for the person. It's Jesus. And so we have to allow Jesus to be the one who gives us our value. Listen, this is important. Everything you need and everything you lack can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says you're enough. He says you are loved. Stop looking for one more thing to make you happy. Let Jesus be the source of your joy. Let Jesus be the one who defines you. And he says that you are a child of the living God, loved by the living God, saved by grace through faith. God has been so good to us. Third and finally, I think for contentment, we have to live on mission or live for something bigger than yourself. You see, something that was interesting about Paul's life is that Paul wasn't living for himself anymore. Paul was living for a bigger purpose, a greater mission. And if you look at all of his writing, he's striving to chase after this call that God has placed on his life, something bigger than himself and for a higher purpose. And I think there's something interesting that happens with discontentment and comparison is in comparison, we're looking at everybody else and we're focusing our hearts on me, right? It's, it's about me. It's about my happiness. It's about my joy. But whenever we walk in contentment and faithfulness, what happens is it enables us to live a life that's not focused on me or what I think I deserve or what I think I should have, but it allows us to serve and love other people well. And you say, why does that switch flip? Why does that happen? Because when we walk in that, what happens is people around us are no longer a tool for my joy. People around us are no longer a tool to make me happy. Do you see how we do that? Do you see how we do that? We use other people as tools to make us happy and to bring us joy and to bring us fulfillment. But when we can walk in contentment and gratefulness, and we can truly love others and we can truly serve others and we can truly live for something higher than ourselves because suddenly all these things around us aren't here just to be a tool for me. Does that make sense? You want to be content. We've got to flip that. We've got to learn to love others, serve others, live for something bigger than ourselves. 
River Church, in a world of discontentment, I want to be among the content. I want to be the guy that has the world falling around. Well, I'd prefer for the world not to fall around. Let's get that clear. But I want to be the guy where if the world is falling down around me, I can stay content and be untouched by trouble. Why? Not because I'm ignorant to it, but because I have a foundation that sustains me through it. Because I have a confidence and a higher God and my joy and contentment is not found in circumstances. It's not found in what people say about me. It's not found in all these other crazy things, but it's found truly and solely in the personhood of Jesus Christ. We live in a cycle of discontentment and comparison, and it keeps us from enjoying all of the ways that God has blessed you. It keeps us from worshiping Him for who He is because we're not grateful for what He's done. And ultimately, it keeps us from being who God has designed us to be. We're designed to be worshipers of Jesus. So let's break the cycle. This, this morning I was praying as we, were walk, we always walk around the school and just pray for the day. And today I, I was just praying that God would break the chains of comparison in this space today. That if there's anybody that's walking in that and feeling that and under the burden of that, that God would just, just break those chains right off of you, man. And so that's my prayer for us today is that God would break off the chains of comparison because it's, it's stupid, man. It's stupid. We've been given so much. We've been blessed so much. Let us walk in joy and contentment and worship of the God who has set us free. This morning, let's be wise followers of Jesus by walking in contentment. I want you to stand with me right now. And we're going to worship. We're going to end in just worshiping Jesus. And man, if that's you this morning, you're walking in that and you're struggling and that, I want to just encourage you to pray, talk to God, talk to Jesus and say, man, just set me free, God. I don't want to live in that. I don't want to walk in that. I don't want to stay in that anymore. God, set me free. I want to walk in contentment. I want to walk in joy. I want to, I, I, I want to, I want to just be that, Jesus. And if you need anybody to talk to or pray with, we'll have, there's going to be a few people down here you can come and talk to, right? doesn't matter where you are in life. This touches all people, okay? I love you. I want to see you set free. Let me pray for us. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for all of the miraculous ways that you provide for us, all of the miraculous ways you love us, all of the ways that you just, you bless us so abundantly more than we could ever ask for or deserve, Jesus. And so, God, I pray today that if there's anyone in this space who's walking in really the spirit of discontentment, that you would set them free today, Jesus. That they would be set free and that they would feel fresh and new. That they would feel like a burden has been lifted off of their shoulders even in this very moment, God. That they would understand that it is not circumstances that defines them. It's not success that defines them. It's not living whatever they expect it to be that defines them, God. But it is you and you alone, Jesus. We need you and we need to rest in this truth today, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.